Sunday. I think I got it right this time, Keith. I'm sorry. Keith said, you making me look bad. He said, you, cause your fault, you know. I'm sorry about that, Keith. Y'all forgive me back there, fellas. Forgive me, forgive me. We are um, in coming towards the end of our fast. We come off of our fast next week. And the series of messages have been entitled, Just, Just Do It. Sometimes I think that when we equate church and we equate our relationship with Christ and we equate our faith, um, we equate it with more things that are feelings and not necessarily action. And when you look in the Bible, when you look at the people that God used significantly, and when you look at the miracles that God performed, and you look at the ways that God worked, um, there was always a tag team between heaven and earth and where God acted on behalf of man because man acted on behalf of God. And a lot of times the reason that we don't experience the things that we need in our lives, we don't experience the breakthroughs, we don't experience the blessings, we have the same struggles, we have the same problems, and that we're coming into 2016 the same way that we came into 2015, same old issues, same old tired things, because we won't simply just do it. And I'm firmly convinced, I firmly believe that none of us really need a special new revelation from God, but we just need to go ahead and rehash the old one that he has already given to us. I think for the most part, most of us know that we should be doing, we just don't do. And so this series of messages has been encouraged to let you know that without our works, faith is dead. You can't say that you believe God and you trust in God and you never move on him. I can't say that I know God, but when he calls, I don't answer. The Bible expressly says, and Jesus said to himself that my sheep know my voice. And when I call, they come running. And so the question on the floor is, what is it that God has asked you to do that you just need to do? And so what we want to talk about this morning, that's something I think that all of us are guilty of. And so if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. We went through 1 and 2 Peter last year as a church, and we went through um, doing Bible study. And one of the things I would like to encourage you all is to come to Bible study. Um, I say that because we had a good time at Bible study this past week, this past Wednesday. Um, real good time. Kevin, I didn't know you knew so much. Kevin was over there philosophizing and and sent dropping some deep knowledge. I think even Tiffany got a little happy. She looked at him with a sparkle in her eye. Like, that's my baby. And so, um, but I would encourage you if you can. If you, I know many of you um, have, have jobs that you travel or you work late through the week. But if you can, um, you want to come to Bible study. And then certainly you want to come to either the women's ministry meeting or the men's ministry meeting. Um, we had a good time yesterday with the brothers. Amen. But if you have First um, Peter chapter 5, starting at verse number 5, and when you find, just stand up with me. First Peter 5, starting at verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger men, be subject to the elders, in all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares about you. I'm going to read verse 7 one more time. Casting all your care upon him because he cares about you. You may be seated. If I had to just tell you one thing that you want to do this morning, simply just leave it here and let it go. And I, I say it like this, I got something back here for you all. I just want to show you real quick. Let me get that real quick, Jabbar. I believe that, um, and I, I think many of us, we come to church every Sunday with baggage. We got our stuff in our boxes and and the thing about it is that we tote it around with us everywhere we go. I think we come, we listen to the, the praise team sing, we listen to people pray, we listen to the preach word, and we see the invitation, and we, and sometimes we might even get a little nudge from the Spirit. Might need, might get goosebumps on the back of our head or think, well, the preacher must be talking to me. I really don't know, y'all. I'm not talking to you. That's just the Holy Spirit. And we get some sort of an emotional buzz and an emotional high. But when it comes time for us to do our part, what we do is we simply pick our box back up and we take it right back out the door with us. And every Sunday, the thing about it is that we, we serve a God. We have a God who gives us an open invitation that whatever burdens you have, bring them to me and leave them here. Whatever burdens you carry, put it down and take up mine because mine is lighter. That whatever way you're trying to do things, if you would just let go of your will and pick up my will, I promise you I'll take care of you. We serve a God who says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need, I will take care of it for you. I mean, we serve a God who says that I can supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. We serve a God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. We serve a God who heals, who protects, who hears, who listens, who moves, and who acts on behalf of his people. But every Sunday, we leave with our arms full. Stuff clenched tight with my problems, my issues. But Rev, you don't know what I'm going through. Preacher, you don't know what I'm dealing with on the job. You don't know what they're saying about me at the house. You don't know what's well. I got demons at the house waiting. There ain't no demon. That's your children. That's your husband. That's your wife. Why you call them folk out their name? So what we do is, is that we carry these things around in our own strength, and then we get cantankerous, we get tired, we get bitter, we get mad at one another because we are so weary, we are so tired because we're trying to do things our way. And I got a simple solution for you this morning. Just leave it here and let it go. Why would you carry the same thing through 2016 that you carried through 2015? Why would you carry the same thing for another year of your life and the person that offended you don't even know and don't even care? Why would you carry the same hurt, the same frustration, the same bitterness over something that happened 15, 20 years ago and is still affecting you to this day, blocking you from God? Because the truth of the matter is that many of us are like my daughter who... who I was trying to take a shirt off of her the other day, and I said, I can't take your shirt off until you let go of what's in your hand. 
And she's mad at me because she won't let go of what's in her hand, but I'm trying to help her. And what I'm trying to say is that sometimes God has asked us repeatedly to let things go, not to suffer with false guilt, not to suffer with some kind of form of um, condemnation that we really not supposed to be carrying around with us. We got all these things we holding on to, and God is simply just saying, let it go. See, a lot of us are carrying things that we ain't got no business carrying. Toting stuff that you have no business toting. And as silly as I look with this box in my hand on this stage, that's what the angels and the God of heaven is doing looking down at us. Why in the world would they keep on carrying them when I told them I could have them? Why would they keep on using all of their strength and then call on me for deliverance when I already told them if you just do this one thing, I can move in your life? Simply, all we have to do is just simply let it go. And I know what the problem is. I'm just right here. I know what the problem is. Peter tells us right here in this text. And I, and I like this because I, I like Peter because Peter just tells it how it is. And see, when you read the book of Peter, Peter gives, he paints a real good picture of how Christians should act. The conduct that we should have, how we should live our lives. It is not just about lip service, but it's about how we actually walk before God, how we live before God. The things that we actually do is really what determines the strength of our relationship with Christ and how much we really trust him at his word. And in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he starts out with the leaders of the church, and he, tells, he calls the elders to some. He said, look here, the place that God has given you to pastor, we talked about this. Don't do it grudgingly. And you know what? I can, I can tell you right now, I love my church family. Y'all some cool people. Y'all give y'all some of the hand. Y'all, I listen to some stuff sometimes from some of my other pastor friends. Because y'all know, just like y'all talk to friends about your pastor, you know, your, your pastors talk to his friends about us too. Y'all right? You know that, right? And I was, I, I was listening. I had a friend of mine, and he was telling me everything that was going on at his church. I said, my God, my God. I came to Sunday morning just smiling. I was so happy to see y'all. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, y'all, y'all, was, y'all was such a blessing. I'm thinking, man, I'm thinking, man you mean Tim, they did what? He said, yeah, brother. And one of them said that there used to be a lady at his dad's church that every time he got up to preach, she would sit out there and open up a newspaper in the congregation. I said, now she did what? I said, now why did she do this over something that happened about a, a program or something that didn't go the way that she wanted to. And so she made her point every Sunday to show up and at, at be singing hallelujah and shouting when the choir was up. But soon as the preacher got up, she would unfold her Sunday newspaper and open it up. I imagine she was reading the horoscope section <laughs> or the obituary. I don't know. But I thought to myself, and, and, and Peter outlines here, he says, there's a way that you're supposed to pastor a church. There's a way that if you're called to be a church leader, there's a way that you have leadership in a church. There's a way you're supposed to do it. And you're supposed to do it with humility, with the attitude of service. And see, the truth about it is, one of the things that concerns me nowadays is that we got a lot of superstars in the church. And we got a lot of superstar pastors, a lot of superstar singers, a lot of superstar ministry leaders. A lot of, everybody is supposed to be a superstar. Everybody is supposed to be important. I know a guy one time, he just got called to preach. Yeah, I think I'm ready to pastor now. I got an anointing on my life. I said, brother, you just preached your first sermon, but the anointing is so thick on me. And I'm thinking, I ain't fool, you don't like people. 
How are you going to pass? You don't even like people. You know, I mean, it, it, and Peter outlines, he says, look here, he said the pastor is supposed to be someone that doesn't serve with the wrong kind of attitude, but serves in humility and leads God's flock and cares for God's flock. And I'm pretty sure when Peter was writing these words, he had in his mind when him and the other disciples were sitting and talking about who was going to be the greatest. And it's something about us as people where people always want to jockey for positions, especially on the job. You know, when the CEO comes in, everybody want to get the boss coffee. Nobody want to get the mailboy coffee. If you're not the boss, if you're not first in line, nobody wants it. And Jesus saw this in his disciples and he said, I can't leave them thinking that this is what church leadership is supposed to be about. I can't leave them here thinking that this is what I'm talking about when I came and told them that they're gonna, I'm going to build my church. And so what Jesus did, he got down on his knees and he started washing their dusty and nasty, crusty feet. He said, whoever's going to be the greatest, let him be the least among you. There's something about humility that runs counterculture in the day that we live in. There's something about letting go and letting back and, and just falling to the wayside and just not necessarily, and we talked about this in the five love languages this morning, not necessarily having to prove your point or not necessarily having to be right or not necessarily having to be the one that's seen or be in the spotlight. There's something about humility that we don't appreciate nowadays. But Peter, when he gets to this section, he says the reason that many of us are are carrying our own burdens, the reason that many of us have some of the issues that we have is because we lack humility. And he goes down and he talks to the younger men of the church and says, look, he said, those of you who are in the church, the same way that the leaders of the church are supposed to serve the people of the church, the people of the church are supposed to serve the leaders of the church. See, Peter was giving practical, good, godly advice and examples of what makes the church attractive to outsiders. Now, I know y'all been there. You ever been somewhere and they just fighting? Heaven forbid if we come to church on Sunday morning and, and it's, just, it's just a whole bunch of chaos. Y'all, y'all do realize that we had Deacon Rudy. Deacon Rudy, you're out of Clemson, right? Yeah, Sister Audrey out of my, what's her? Well, I don't think I'm out Alabama. She rolled tired all over the place. I said, oh, Lord, what are we going to have here? I said, when the Seminoles won, Jefferson came up here doing the tomahawk chop and everything, and even had Keith play the theme music back there. Now, could you imagine if there were pockets of the church and, and some side of Deacon Rudy, where I like Clemson, and there were other pockets in the church and some side of Sister Audrey, where I like Alabama. Y'all know if you, if you like any SEC team, you just pull for the SEC period. And we started bickering and complaining on Sunday mornings. And then somebody comes in just truly needing salvation, really carrying burdens, having a hard time. Like, and here we are fussing and fighting about orange and red. And what Peter is simply saying is that there should be a certain humility that clothes everybody in the church, regardless of your position, regardless of where you sit, regardless of where you serve. But there should be something about all of us that we walk in, that we have a spirit of humility on us. It ain't about you. It ain't even about me. It's about God. It's about what we can do to point people to God. And that's one of the problems I have when we exalt gifts and we exalt talents, but we don't exalt God. And the only reason we can get away with doing that is because we don't walk in humility. 
And we think it's our own strength and our own power. And so this is what Peter talks about here. He says that the younger men should humble themselves to the leadership of the church or the elders, the elders. And y'all know one of the things that really, that really strikes me, and Brother Kevin talked about that we're talking about, is that the lack of respect for elders that we have nowadays. I mean, you could run up on, I ran up on some boys one time, I was, they were stealing, and that boy cussed me out. I said, I'll DD to you right here on aisle four. Bust your head wide open and let your mama come pick you up because you out here stealing in the store. And you mean to tell me, what blows my mind is the, the lack of respect that our kids have. And one of the reasons that our kids have a lack of respect and don't practice humility because they see mama and daddy cuss the folk out at the drive through window. They see mama and daddy cussing the teacher out. They hear mama and daddy cussing on the phone about their boss, but they ain't no good, they stupid, dumb as a box of rocks. I don't know how they got that position. Clothe yourself with humility. See, it's not about being right. And what, I, I like what Peter says here, because Peter says that the younger men, we should clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. So what that means, this idea of, being, of, of, of humility being humble, what that means is that I really know how jacked up I am. See, what humility, the reason some of us are not humble because we, we, we think we're better than we really are. You think your poo-poo don't stink. You know, you, 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 you think that you know more than everybody else. And y'all know people like that. Can't do no wrong. Always right. I always got the answer. First one to speak of, know everything. You ask a question, they know everything. I was there, I did it. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. He says that you got to clothe yourself with humility towards one another. So what that means is that you need to take the cap, take the top off your own life and look at it for what it really is. And the, the best picture, the, the best thing I could think of is that, because I really, y'all, you know, y'all successful, right? Y'all, some of y'all are influential. I mean, you know, y'all successful? Go ahead and say, y'all can smile? I mean, there ain't nothing wrong with being successful. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, you know what? I ain't mess with y'all. Look here. We blessed y'all. I mean, God is being good to us. Some of y'all live in a gate and they got six digits on the punch code instead of four. I know God's been good to you. We blessed. But there's something that can happen in all of that where we can get beside ourselves. And the reason that we need to be reminded to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another, because I could think that I'm better than somebody. And there's nothing worse than coming to church and thinking that I'm above somebody else. And I'm going to tell you, success can kill you. It can do that to you. I remember when I got promoted, to one of, I got promoted several times. I said we blessed, amen. Um, but I remember one time in particular, and I had to do an evaluation. And, you know, I didn't care about the evaluation, you know, and, and it, the evaluation came, it was late, and I just halfway went through it, didn't care anything about it, and I just turned it in, the guy got upset, we had to, you know, have a discussion about it, and blah, blah, blah. And when the guy left the office, um, my supervisor, he came and said, I want you to understand something. He said, that's his livelihood that you're messing with. I was only like 23 at the time, so I really didn't get it. He said, he said, this man works all year, and his livelihood is in your hands. 
And look at how you're handling it. And for the longest, I thought that me getting a position was just about me. And I thought about that for a second. I said, there are people depending on me. And he told me, he said, how would you feel if when it came time for your evaluation, I turned to end late, held up your raise, and then didn't give you the credit that you deserve that you done worked all year for? And at that time, I saw myself as that person. And the Lord did something to me because I had a pretty, I mean, you know, we were, we were taken care of. And I remember when Jennifer and I got our house built and we were in Dallas and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm leaving the house in the morning, but I'm driving to inner city Dallas and I'm working with people going through some real stuff. Several of my cashiers got killed by their boyfriends. One of them over a tax check and put her body in the closet. And the Lord was kind of just reminding me, now don't forget, don't think you better than anybody else. While you get to ride home to your wife and kids who are in a safe neighborhood, remember what they're really going through out here. And it taught me a very valuable lesson that nobody's better than anybody. We might have a different vantage point, but all of us, all of us are the same before the cross. All of us are sinners. Your sin might be different from my sin, but we all have issues that we wrestle and struggle with. None of us have made it yet because we're not in heaven. All of us have things that we're working on that the Holy Spirit is trying to work in us. And if we're not careful, we can miss out on being humble and think it's all about me. And so that's what happened. And what Peter was saying here is that some of the reason that some of you all are carrying burdens is because you're not humble. And what he said, he says that God resisteth, he resists the proud. What that means is that God has literally his hands up and pushing you away because you proud. The proud is somebody, if you remember when Jesus was talking in the Gospels and he talked about the publican and the Pharisee and about how when the publican stood to pray, he stood and said, Lord, I do all these things right. I, I meet all the requirements of the law. And the publican just simply said, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And see, I wonder how many of us have that pride within us where we really think that we're better than somebody else or think that we're better than what we really are. And I'm going to tell you all something. We're successful. See, it, it was different when we were growing up. I saw a picture on Facebook that had that, that cheese in a brown box. And it's a USDA grade A pasteurized cheese. And y'all know what that government cheese looked like. And, and it came in a big old loaf. And, you know, you had to get the hacksaw out the garage to cut it. And, and when you put it in the microwave, it didn't melt. You can't even make grilled cheese with it because the bread will burn before the cheese will melt. And, 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 and here it is now. We done, we done got some, some titles behind our name. Now you got a punch code on your neighborhood. Now you done got your big screen TV. Done got your, a car with AC and four doors. And all of a sudden now we think we better than somebody else. Then got a promotion on the job. And now you're looking down on everybody else on the job. God has blessed you and made a way. And now all of a sudden you better than somebody else. God. He has an action for you. He resists you. What that means is that as you are praying, God has the door locked. As you are seeking God, God is saying, you that bad. You do it on your own. You know what? You, you got to figure that you, you that smart. You handle it on your own. 
And see, what we have a tendency to think that we, we miss the point sometimes that what humility does, humility means that I'm going to make myself lower. And when we make ourselves lower, when we bring ourselves down, God has a way of bringing us up. And see, what the proud does, the proud shines a light on himself or herself and say, look at me, look what I can do. And what God does is just leave you right where you are. He doesn't answer your prayers. He doesn't fight your battles. He doesn't move your mountains. He doesn't heal you when you need it. He doesn't, he doesn't do it because he resists the proud. He can't stand it. But the humble... That is a word picture of somebody that will bring themselves down. That will bring themselves low. Somebody doesn't mind taking the low road. Somebody doesn't mind losing a fight or losing an argument. I'm reminded of Mr. Ricky, who was the owner of, um, of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and Jackie Robinson and, um, during, a training, during a session one time, Jackie Robinson, Mr. Ricky was hurling out all the insults that Jack and Robinson said, these are the things you're going to face. And he was cussing at them. He was calling them all these names. And he was saying all these things about them, all these racial slurs. And he kept on going. And Jackie Robinson started getting mad. And he lashed out at him. And then he said, you want a Negro that can't fight. And Mr. Ricky, he looked at him and said, no, I want one that can but chooses not to. And see, the thing about it is, is that sometimes when we take the low road, when we act in humility, that does not mean that we're weak. That means that we trust in something bigger than us. Sometimes when we act in humility, what we're saying is, is that, God, I am taking it out of my hands. I am placing it in your hands, and I'm going to let you fight this battle for me. Sometimes when we act in humility, what we are saying is, God, I choose to lay down my will and pick up your will for my life. But he says that he resists the proud. It's like he is opposed to the proud, but he gives to the humble. You mean to tell me that half the problems I'm going through right now, all I simply have to do is say yes to God and let it go? You mean to tell me that some of the things I've been carrying all my life, all I simply have to do is say yes to God and let it go? Do y'all realize that folk lose sleep? Folk lose years of their life early worried about the wrong thing. You mad at folk that you can't do nothing to? They thousands and thousands of miles away. You scrolling and trolling on their Facebook. Mad because they look happy. Who cares? <laughs> you holding on to something that should have been let go of a long time ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you something. This ain't easy. I, I, I believe, I, I really do believe that we are some prideful people. We are some arrogant people. Uh, I mean, but we want to do things our way when we want, how we want. And then we're intelligent enough to rationalize it, too. Sit there, have debates in our head. Well, you know, the Bible don't say you can't do all of that. You know, you, you can do this, and you know. And, and then how many of y'all done rationalized yourself when y'all fast and they ate a steak? <laughs> don't tell them yourself. I came close. I came close. I, I'm sitting in Publix, and, you know, they got that, like, the, the mist coming. I'm, I said, man, that's a pretty-looking ribeye right there. That's it. 
and I'm looking. I, I didn't want to stand there too long because I'm afraid one of y'all might come by and see me. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I better. I said, I can't take it home because then the kids know. And so I said, I can't even do that either. But the truth of the matter is, I didn't get the steak, y'all, just to let you know. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my fast. I didn't get the steak. But the truth of the matter is, is that all of us are prideful. If you look in the Garden of Eden, that's what messed them up because Satan plays to our pride. You know how to, well, who they think they talking to? They can't talk to me like that. How many of y'all feel like that sometimes? I, 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 I don't know who you, oh, you talk, oh. I had a supervisor one time, he told me something, then he turned his back while I was talking. I said, did he just turn his back on me? I almost went hate and drive on him. That's why I grew up. I almost went old and slapped him in the back of his bald head. I said, I know he just didn't turn around while I was talking to him. And there's something when we say, you know what, God, I'm not going to do this my way. I'm going to do this your way. There's something about when we say, when God says, I will fight your battles, and then here you are fighting it yourself. God had already told you he deal with them folk that's raising hell on your job, but you go in with an earful for them every morning. You in God's way. You trying to tell him what to do, tell her what to do. She ain't been listening to you. She ain't going to listen to you now. You in God's way. You wondering why he won't act right. It's because you in God's way. You wondering why God can't move, why things are not happening, why it seems like everybody else is getting blessed but us, because you are in God's way. What you need to do is humble yourself, duck, and get out of God's way. And when the time is right, he will lift you back up. The, the thing about it is, is that we, we, we move at the wrong time. See, there's going to come a time when God is going to exalt us. There's going to come a time when God is going to move and he's going to make it plain to everybody. And I can't tell y'all, y'all don't understand. I, I'm saying this to me because y'all, y'all don't know. I was raised, somebody hit you, you hit them back. I was raised, somebody go there with you, you go right back there with them. My mama, one time, I got into the boy outside. My mama heard him yelling at me. My mama said, I know you didn't let him yell at you like that. I said, Mama, I yelled back. She said, I'm right. She, <laughs> said, she shut the screen door and went back on in the house. But I wasn't about to come up in the house and let somebody talk to me like that. And I know many of us, we grew up, y'all know how it is. But there has to, we have to relearn certain things and realize that we got to let go of certain things and not be prideful and not try to do things our way. And we need to re- be willing to think less of ourselves in the sight of God. And when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, the God that saves, the God that moves, the God that acts, the God that is strong, the God that is mighty, the God that is able. When we say, God, I can't do it. I put myself under your hand. Then he says, I got you. He says that, that when we humble ourselves, I, I just like that picture of the, the might. I mean, do y'all, has God ever just kicked open a door for you? Have you ever held your peace and watched God do something miraculous? I mean, there's something beautiful about when God fights our battles. I don't know about you, but have you? I, I've been told no so many times. I don't listen. I go back. I say, "Well, God, what did you say?" Do y'all realize that every people, everybody told me no when we started this church? I said, "God, what do you say?" 
I remember sitting across from both of my supervisors one time saying, Quincy, we won't promote you. I said, God, what did you say? I mean, I, and I wanted to tell them, y'all ignorant, mm, 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 but I didn't. I said, God, my, my future's in your hands. And see, when, what the problem is is that when we don't humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we get in God's way and God can't act. And so the question on the table is how do I humble myself? The question on the table is what does a life in submission really look like? The question on the table is that how, God, in the world can I really experience your best? How can I make sure that you exalt me? How can I make sure that you give me grace? How can I make sure that you move on my behalf? And he gives us real practical example. He said, cast all your cares on him. For he cares for you. In essence, this is what's happening. When I come in, Sunday after Sunday, with my box, and I sit and I, I listen to God's word. I read God's word. I hear God's word. When I come in with this box, and when church is over, I take it right back out with me. I, I, you know what? You, you don't know what's in this box. You don't know the disappointment that I'm dealing with. You don't know. You don't understand the struggle. Do you, you don't understand why I grew up. You don't, you, you don't know what's in this box. And so what we do is we carry it right back out with us. And by our actions, what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you. By our actions, what we're really saying is, God, you're not strong enough. By our actions, what we're saying, God, you're not God enough to handle what's in my box. And do y'all realize that that's a form of pride and arrogance? Because what you're saying is that my way is better than God's way. And what's happening is that we come every Sunday and we come every day and we say, God, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. And God is simply saying, let it go. Just take me at our word. But God, I don't trust you. God, I can't forgive them because they did this to me. God said, if you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. If you want joy, give joy. If you want peace, give peace. If you want love, give love. What I'm trying to say is that when we pick our burdens back up and walk out the door with them, get in our car, turn the key and go home and eat and set our burdens on the couch with us, what we are really saying is that, God, you're not trustworthy. God, you're not strong enough. God, you're not smart enough. God, you don't know what you're doing. My way is better than yours, so I'm going do it in my own strength. And many of us walk out every Sunday still God resisting us. I, I, I'm telling you, I firmly truthfully believe that many of the battles we face we don't have to face. Many of the fights that we have we don't have to have. We got so gripped to this box and all we have to do he just says, leave it there. When, when, when it says cast your cares, what is keeping you up at night? What is it in your past right now that you think you can't get over? What is in your past right now that you think people are looking at you funny about or, or people are talking about you or you think that God can't use you? He said, 
leave it there. Those, those anxieties, those things that are causing you stress, that are getting your pressure up, those things that's causing you to lose your hair, all those things, Jesus simply says, just leave it here. He says, if you leave it here, because we have a God who cares for us. I don't, I don't, I don't think that people get this sometimes. I think that we think that when, when we come to the Bible or, or, or we hear a word or something, we think somehow or another they're trying to trick me. They're trying to, we have a God that cares for us. We have a God that loves us. We have our creator. He created us. He died for us. He hung for us. He laid down his life. He forgives us of our sins. So surely if he's calling us to do something, it's for our benefit. Surely if he's calling us to do something, he's got something better in store. Surely if God is telling us to let certain things go and put certain things to the side, he has something in mind that he wants to do in our lives, but yet we keep picking up the box and taking it home. He said, just cast it. Get rid of it. Why are you carrying that stuff all the doggone time? We have a God that is able We have a God that moves. We have a God that is mighty. I don't care what happened in your past. I don't care what happened last year. I don't care what happened 10 years ago. It doesn't matter what you grew up. It doesn't matter what you went through. We got a God that cares for us. He said, cast your cares. He cares for us. And if you think nobody else cares, If you think nobody else sees, if you think nobody else understands, if you think nobody else knows, there is a God in heaven who does. There is a God in heaven who is waiting to bless you, waiting to make a way. All he is waiting for you to do is humble yourself, get out of his way, and watch him do what you can't do in your own strength. I tried him for myself. I know him. This ain't secondhand knowledge. This isn't hearsay. This is something that I know. That's something that I've lived and I've experienced. I know that he's able. So why would we, as born-again, sanctified, baptized believers, come up in here, carrying that same mess every Sunday? I'm going to tell you right now. If you choose to go through 2016 with that same box of junk you've been carrying all this time, I'm going to tell you like the old folks say, You ain't got good sense. You ain't got good sense. I don't care what's in your box. He can handle it. Amen? Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap and praise. Amen.